Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA Podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Mitchell and Jessica Kanata. If you're looking for ways to bring rigor and engagement to your middle school ELA classroom without sacrificing your nights and weekends, then this podcast is for you. Our goal is to provide you with your weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can actually enjoy teaching again. We'll help you bring the fun and creativity to your ELA lessons so that your students master the standards and you can leave school when the bell rings. Get ready to be that teacher you've always wanted to be to do great work and thrive. All right, I'm excited to dive into today's topic. It actually is one of the questions that we got from our EB teacher Facebook group. We're going to talk about how to determine what ELA activities make the cut, right? You might see things on Instagram or Pinterest or what have you. And you're like, oh, I want to incorporate all of that, but then it becomes overwhelming and we don't even know what to do. So the question that we got from one of our EB teachers is how do I decide which ELA activities quote unquote, make the cut for my school year, right? In particular, if you're an EB teachers club member, or you're an EB teacher, how do I choose which EB lessons from the EB teachers club to use? And I love this question. It's such a great question. And you're going to find some really practical takeaways, whether you're an EB teachers club member or you're not, this episode is going to be really helpful for you. You know, as middle school teachers, we've all faced the dilemma of what topics or what lessons to cover. And quite frankly, feeling like we don't have enough time, which is in fact, another podcast episode that we recorded called how to fit it all in. Cause that's a question that we get asked as well. Um, so today what we're going to do is we're going to share strategies that will really help you kind of like go through like the gamut you know, like step-by-step questions to ask yourself that will help you determine which activities actually make the cut. And we do something similar with ideas that we have for EB academics as a business, as a whole, right? We kind of put it through this litany of questions, which is not the same exact thing that we're going to give you. We're going to make it very simple. Um, but we do that to say like, is this a good idea or not? And so you're kind of asking yourself those same questions is does this ELA activity fit or not? Is this something that I'm going to use my class time to do? So if you're curious about the EB Teachers Club, it's our community of middle school ELA teachers from around the world. Actually, 10% of our teachers are from another country outside of the U.S., which I think is really cool. And all of our teachers really have the same goal, and that's to provide their students with rigorous and engaging lessons that help them master the standards, while at the same time making sure that they, as a teacher, aren't sacrificing their nights, their weekends, but more importantly, aren't sacrificing who they are outside of the classroom, right? We really want our teachers to be able to thrive inside the classroom and outside the classroom and get to be more than, quote unquote, just a teacher, which is sometimes what we can find ourselves doing is losing our identity into being a teacher and becomes all encompassing of who we are. And we have so many other facets to ourselves that we want our teachers to be able to tap into and enjoy. Um, and we don't have to tell you, right. I'm sure you all know the Pinterest rabbit hole, the time suck, the Instagram rabbit hole for me, it's starting to become a reels rabbit hole, right? It just becomes a time suck. And that's really why we created the teacher's club is it so that you can let go of those hours spent scrolling through things to find the perfect lesson. We have all of that in the club. And then we guide you through, you know, what are the best lessons to choose for yourself, um, which is also what we're going to talk about in this episode. So our EB teachers, they tell us that the EB teachers club is 
just life-changing for them. The lessons inside the club get them excited to teach each day, which I love. They get glowing reviews from their students, parents, and principals. We have so many teachers right now who are being observed by their admin that they just keep popping into the Facebook group. Hey, I was using an EB Teachers Club resource and my admin gave me the highest marks I've ever received. I'm t- I think honestly in the past three or four days, I've seen five, six of those sure. pop into the Facebook group. It's yeah, like, I love it. And they're all sharing like the little notes, the principles, right? Yeah. Like every single student was engaged. I had fun watching this. Yes. I love it. It's like observation season or something, which totally. is crazy. Um, but anyways, the fact that you are listening to the teaching middle school ELA podcast, the fact that you're listening to this episode, that means that you clearly have made a commitment to your students and to yourself growing as a middle school ELA teacher. And so we'd love to invite you to check out the EB teachers club, see what it's all about. If you add your name to the waitlist, go to ebacademics.com forward slash EB waitlist. You'll get one of our activities. It's our free detective lesson. You'll get to see what the EB teachers club is all about. Um, so you can start to see kind of what our materials are like. Um, so with that being said, we're going to go back to the question now, Jessica. Yes. So that question, right? How do I determine which ELA activities make the cut in particular, which EB resources do I use? So we thought when we were preparing our notes for this episode, who better to ask, right? Than Sarah and Shannon, they are two EB teachers who actually use EB materials in their own classrooms. So Sarah's an eighth grade teacher in Ohio and Shannon teaches sixth graders in Pennsylvania. And they are also the seriously just awesome community managers in our EB teachers club. So they are the ones in our Facebook group, helping the teachers choose particular lessons to work with their students, explaining different aspects of the lessons, just checking in with our teachers, being their cheerleaders and being like the voice of reason of yes, this lesson will work or no, maybe save that one for later. So they are such awesome ladies and they've got the EB lessons like dialed in. They know them backwards, forwards, every which way. And they drop some gems about how to decide which lessons will make the cut in each school year. So what we're going to do is we're going to break it down into four steps for determining which lessons to, to use in your classroom. And what we'll do is we'll share a step and then you'll hear what Sarah or Shannon have to say about it in detail. And then we'll share our thoughts along with it. All right. So let's start with step number one. And I love this one. And I think this should always be what you go back to. And that is to use the standards as your North star. The standards are why you are doing what you are doing in the first place, right? They guide us. So whether or not you use the common core state standards, or you have standards that are specific to your state, or you're in a different country, you use the Canadian standards, what have you, you want to use those particular standards as your North star. If you don't have standards, um, Shannon's going to speak into that with her example, but one of our teachers, Tammy doesn't have standards at her school. And we should suggested she just use the common core state standards, because if you look at those compared to some of the states that have their own set of standards, they are so similar that I don't think that you can go wrong. So if you don't have standards, you might also want to consider just kind of adopting the common core state standards on your own so that you have some sort of guiding light in your decision-making. So I want to share what Sarah said about this particular step about choosing the standards as your North star. So Sarah says that EB has taught me to definitely start with the standards in mind. So that is what I do. I actually plan my own writing units. Then I choose bundles and resources that support my writing units. I use the EB resource index, which if you're not an EB teachers club member, that doesn't make sense to you, but if you are, it will. Um, so she uses the EB teach or the EB resource index to search for the standards I want to cover and piece a bundle or two with any shop resources. 
So she says, if I can't decide then after going through that, the standards as my North star, I then let my students vote, which is so fun. I tell them the standards we need to cover along with what activities I will have them do. And then they vote. So last year, for example, Sarah said my students voted to do the monkey's paw trial this year's class voted on the diamond heist. So these two activities that Sarah is mentioning of the monkey's paw trial and diamond heist cover the same standards. They're just different lessons to go with that standard. So she had her students vote on it. And Sarah said, I definitely take their interests into consideration. My students and I talked about the haunted house real estate flyer versus the gingerbread house and the majority voted for the haunted house. So here she had two different activities that she wanted to do the haunted house real estate version or the gingerbread house and her students voted for the haunted house. And so she's taking students interests into consideration when she's planning. She also said, I try to make sure that I give them several opportunities to practice a standard, both independently and collaboratively. So that's going to tie into your decision-making too. If this is a more difficult concept, more difficult standard, obviously you're going to give, going to give your students multiple and ample opportunities to review that particular standard with different lessons. So I love this and what Sarah said, because she really nailed down this concept of letting the standards be your guide, right? You want to go out to sea and be a captain of a ship without a rudder, without a compass, right? So you want you don't want to do that same thing in your classroom, right? The compass, that's our standards checklist. The guide is our standards. They are our North Star. And that standards checklist that all of our EV teachers members have access to, that standards checklist is hands down the most useful tool for making sure that you're incorporating rigorous lessons in the classroom. And the way that we've set up the standards checklist, and again, this is specific to Common Core State standards, but you can take the same concept and do it for any standards that you use. That checklist includes all of the ELA standards for your grade level, along with columns where you can document the date that you've taught that standard. And then you can also monitor how well your students grasped a particular standard. And I love this because what you might find as you're planning and you're thinking about what lessons to include, you might see, oh my gosh, I've literally not even kind of covered reading for informational text 7.2 ever. And now I know I have a problem. I have a gap in the activities and the lessons that I'm doing with my students. Or you might see, holy cow, I've done writing 6.1 a thousand times this year, right? So you start to really visualize what's happening in your classroom. Those standards checklists are super, super important. So EB teachers, you have access to this and we encourage you to print it out. Keep it at your desk or in your planner or somewhere so that you can refer to it whenever you're sitting down to plan, which hopefully you are batch planning. Side note, love you all. And if you're not, do it, please. <laughs> Any lesson that you're considering teaching in class absolutely must cover at least one standard on this checklist so that you know you're helping your students progress throughout the year. One thing that I want to say too about what Sarah mentioned is that I love that she let her students vote between the different lessons and topics because that's definitely going to increase student buy-in, right? If they're like, oh, that's the one we want to do and they vote on it. Well, they made that decision, right? It's like with our kids. I do that with Will. Do you want to eat your vegetables and not get, or and get dessert? Or do you not want to eat your vegetables and not get dessert? And he's like, oh, I'm going to eat my vegetables, right? Right. It's reverse psychology. <laughs> totally. And in this case, it's like, the lessons are equally rigorous because they're focused on the same standard. So why not let them pick what they're interested in? Exactly. I love that. So simple. So to sum up step one, 
the standards are your North star. So when you're deciding which EV activities are going to make the cut, right? Which ones am I going to include or any lesson for that matter? This should be the first thing that you are looking at. It's based on the standards that you need to cover for that particular grade level. And I want to talk in really fast, a little bit more about this. If you don't have a common core state standards or the state standards to follow, that's the case with our other EB teacher that uh, Jessica mentioned Shannon and Shannon actually works for us. Like Jessica said, she's one of our community members. So she doesn't have particular standards that she needs to follow. So instead she has a list of types of writing that she has to cover throughout the year. And she lets that determine what lessons or activity she chooses. So in this case, her writing units, right. Become her North star. So I want to share what Shannon said, her, her exact thoughts on this. She says, I always start with narrative and then EBW, which is our evidence-based writing. But after that, I typically use the EB teachers club issues and shop resources to cover the other types of writing. I really like the Alcatraz unit. And that's number 18. If you're in the club, I really like the Alcatraz unit for compare and contrast and the gingerbread house activity for descriptive writing. So she has kind of like her main writing units that she has to cover. And she uses these resources that club issues or the shop resources to kind of plug those in to her writing units. And she uses that as her North star. So Shannon has kind of like her own North star in that regard. Um, and, and it's super helpful because having the standards as your North star, right. And using the standards checklist that makes searching for lessons so much easier, so much faster. And this goes for, if you're using our resources and you're an EB teacher, or you're not an EB teacher and you're looking for lessons online, right? You want to make sure that you are looking for them with a purpose and with intention, right? If there's like one word when it comes to planning, it's like intention is the word that you want to keep front and center. Okay. I just talked for a hundred years. You got it was good stuff. No. (laughs) Okay. So let's dive into step two. So step one, you have the standards are your North star. Well, step two in determining which ELA activities make the cut is to spiral those standards. So I want to share a little story. I hope it kind of illustrates why this is so important has nothing to do really with classroom lessons, but it's still good. (laughs) So my middle son, Davey, he just turned six in December and he's taking this after school chess class and it's for, you know, beginner chess players. So it's kindergartners through eighth graders in this class. And after the first lesson, do you think he was ready to come home and like challenge my husband who's been playing chess for years to a game? Like, of course not. Right. Davey might've thought he was ready. He's like, (laughs) I can play chess now. I'm like, Oh, wonderful. Okay. But in reality, it's going to take repetition and practice before Davey even understands the basics of the game. And that's why he has to go every Monday to chess class after school. And frankly, let's be honest, he should be going every day if he really wants to learn it, or at least be practicing with my husband every day. Cause I have no idea how to play. (laughs) If he wants to improve, he has to spiral review chess. And it's the exact same thing for our students, right? We can't expect them to master the standards after one standalone lesson. Instead, we have to spiral in those concepts throughout the year. So when we're trying to determine which ELA activities make the cut, well, let's start thinking about, okay, which key concepts should I be reviewing multiple times throughout the year? And that's exactly what Sarah does in her classroom when she's trying to figure out what lessons to include for the year. So remember earlier, Caitlin shared that Sarah says she starts planning by figuring out what writing units to do based on 
her state standards, Ohio. And here's how she chooses spiral review lessons for later in the year. So Sarah says, I have resources to spiral in every few weeks. For example, in the new year, I'm using the resources GoTag, Summary Writing, and Expanding Evidence as an EBW or Evidence-Based Writing Winter Boot Camp Review before moving into argumentative writing. So Sarah knows that she needs to cover text-dependent writing, right? EBW. In fact, like that's a major standard. We all need to cover that as middle school ELA teachers. So Sarah does that at the beginning of the year. She does the deep dive EBW unit, which is included in our writing program, but she knows that's not enough. She has to look for smaller review lessons that she can spiral in throughout the rest of the year to ensure that her students are mastering that standard and truly understanding the concepts before she moves on to her next writing unit. And she mentioned argumentative writing. So when you go about determining what ELA activities make the cut in your own classroom, you want to look for times in the year where you can spiral in those review activities for the main standards you're covering. And to determine those main standards, it's probably going to be the main writing types and certainly, you know, reading for literature or reading for informational text where you have to find textual evidence and support it with, you know, justification yourself. So those are the ones you want to consistently review throughout the year. Yeah. And I just want to say one thing about this is I know we talk about spiral review all the time, but I, I think that it's important because even just this past weekend when we were at batch planning live. So even though these episodes are airing in February, we're recording them in January because we batch record our podcast yes, episodes. <laughs> um, but it was so interesting to me how often it came up that our teachers were like, well, you know, I did the unit with them and they don't, they can't do justification yet. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, that's because you did it once. You know what I mean? And right. I think that we just forget, like we have got to give students ample opportunities to practice these standards time and time again. Spiral reviewing is so freaking important. Like it is, it is so important. So please, please, please just remember that, that if your students don't get it, it's because you've probably only done it a handful of times mm -hmm. and you're just going to have to keep repeating it until they do. I can't tell you how many basketball players I've coached over the years. There are some that just get it right? They're just athletes. They just get it. They, they can pick up a ball and they can freaking dribble. But then there are those other athletes. There are those other players who are staying after practice and practicing their dribbling for 30 minutes every day. And they get better and better and better the more and more that they practice. And eventually they become good, maybe not as good as that other athlete on the team, but it's still possible for them. Right. And I just think that that's such an important reminder to think about students mastering these skills in the same way that we think about things that we can actually see happening in like athletics or in like chess or things like that. Right. Um, so I just think that's an important reminder. And one that we will probably continue to remind you on in many episodes yes. to come. <laughs> All right. So step number three then is you want to be mindful of opportunities for cross-curricular, right? So when you're deciding between which lessons and activities make the cut, it can be super helpful to spend just a few minutes talking to other teachers in your building if you're able to, right? If they'll collaborate with you about what your students are learning in their classes, right? And you might find that there is an opportunity to bring in that cross-curricular. Perhaps you yourself are even the social studies and English teacher. And some of our teachers are even the science and English teacher, which to me is fascinating. That's interesting. <laughs> Super fascinating. So I want to share with you what Sarah also had to say about this particular concept of cross-curricular opportunities. So she said, I've also been better about aligning issues to what students are learning about in other classes. 
For example, I waited to use issue number 28 in the EB teachers club, which is crack the case part two about the American revolution until their history class was in the middle of learning about the revolution, right? What a great cross-curricular opportunity. She also said in science, they're about to quote unquote, fly to Hawaii in their plate tectonics unit. So we will be doing the Hawaii annexation bundle, which is our point of view informational text issue number 22. We're going to use the Hawaii annexation bundle then. So she says, I love that I can piece together our resources in a way that works for my students. And what a great opportunity for students to be learning about plate tectonics and science in Hawaii. And for you to bring Hawaii and the annexation of Hawaii into your classroom, that's applicable to ELA. Like if we don't have those conversations with our colleagues, we're not going to see those opportunities for cross-curricular. And this is really where planning in advance AK batch planning comes in key because if you're flying by the seat of your pants every day, you're not going to be able to make these rich cross-curricular opportunities for your students. So it's so powerful when students can cover the same topic in multiple subjects, right? It really starts to get it for them. So think about how the learning will stick as they approach these concepts from different angles in science class in social studies and English, et cetera. So when you're looking through the lessons and activities that you have available to you, consider if it's the topics being addressed in the activities, especially in those nonfiction lessons, that they might overlap with anything your students are learning about in their other subjects. And then figure out, you know, when in your year is going to be best to do those lessons. Like I bet your science teacher probably has a very specific scope of the way in which they, they present their stuff to their class, but you can easily make those adjustments, right? We have a lot more autonomy in ELA when it comes to when we're going to do an information informational text or literature unit and things like that. So true. All right. Final step in determining which ELA activities make the cut. Step four, you can use engaging mini units to introduce broader topics. So this is what Shannon has to say about that. She says, I think EB teachers club issues are great for introducing topics that I'll cover in my novel units. I'll use the fish cheeks. That's the short story by Amy Tan, right? The theme issue that's issue number 29. And that serves as a springboard for the theme in number the stars. So I think it's so clever of Shannon to view the teachers club issues through the lens of introducing a topic, right? In that theme lesson, that fish cheeks theme lesson that she mentions, it's perfect to use as an introduction to novel where you're going to focus on theme because the issue starts out small. It's like bite-sized learning instead of, oh, here we go. Whole novel. So I just want to kind of describe that issue to you. So you can kind of see how this would work. So that issue lets you activate students' knowledge by starting off your lesson with a game of what we call theatrical themes. So students are given a topic or a theme, and then they list as many movies or films as they can think of that share that topic or theme. So then after that, they read Amy Tan's short story, and they discuss fish cheeks in their groups, and they try to choose two of the stories themes and then create their own screenplay or their own movie that highlights those themes. So they're literally taking a theme from the story and then creating a whole new story that still has that same theme. Like how fun is that for students? And this is all over the course of three to four days. And then you wrap up that mini unit with a fun little film festival in your classroom and students view their classmates' films. They take notes on the story and how the films address similar themes. So all this review of theme, right? Going from topic to theme, to theme in one short story, to making a short story of your own with your own theme, 
Then they go into their novel unit in Shannon's place, number the stars, and they stop talk about theme there. And that's a really complex novel, right? The themes are really intense there, but because it's been scaffolded for them with a short story, they're ready for it. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really applicable to all of us as teachers is how can we take some mini ELA activities, whether they're EB monthly issues or just short two or three day lessons that we can use at the front end of a larger unit. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a great, um, lens through which to view your decision-making as well. Um, so to recap all of those steps, when it comes to deciding which ELA activities make the cut, we want you to consider the following four things. Number one, keep the standards in mind as being your North star. Number two, spiral the standards. Spiral the standards, spiral the standards, spiral the standards. Number three, be mindful of those cross-curricular opportunities. And that's going to come when you batch plan because you are planning in advance. And number four, use engaging mini units to introduce those broader concepts like Jessica just talked about at the very end. So hopefully that helps you in determining which ELA activities make the cut. Um, And just know that if you do one this year and you want to switch it up next year, all good, right there. That's why we have flexibility in what it is that we do. And that's the beauty of it. And also the curse, right. (laughs) Is having so much autonomy and flexibility. Um, so hopefully that helps you guys in making decisions, whether or not you're an EV teacher member or not. Um, and if you're not an EV teachers club member, definitely get your name on the wait list. If you go to evacademics.com forward slash EB waitlist, you'll get information about the teachers club, as well as a place to add your name to the wait list. And you'll get emailed just a little packet of information, as well as one of our favorite lessons, which is our little detective lesson, all about argumentative writing. It's that would be a great, actually introduction to your argumentative writing unit. So good. I love how you're like our little detective lesson. It's not little. It's, it's not little. It's, it's, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm sorry. I, I used the wrong word. Um, so anyways, with that being said, you guys hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. We will see you next week on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks everyone. Bye.